Welcome to Core de Femme, a podcast for the femme perspective. Hi, everybody. This is Tiana Simmons with Core de Femme, um, our podcast elevating the femme perspective. We are on our 86th list currently, where we are talking about canceling behaviors, not people. Um, we're about to introduce episode four, the final episode in this series, and we're calling it Onward. Yes. So this is Melinda. And just to recap real quick, we're in the 86 list and our first episode was about just talking about it, about how speaking up is the number one way we can combat harassment. Um, Number two was to name it, to do the work to find the word to identify it. Um, Number three was now what? What are you going to do with this experience? And this one is number four and it wraps it all up and we've titled it Onward. Yay. So the purpose behind this one too is going forward, moving on. It requires us to connect with ourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we need to get in touch with ourself. That's that's the whole purpose here. Yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do in situations like this because when we're so overwhelmed with what's going on by things that are so out of our control, that's the hardest thing to do is to get turn back inward mm-hmm. so we can move onward. Um, it's just, it, things happen out that are out of control. It just builds these walls and it's yeah. hard to break those down sometimes. So we're here to yeah. encourage you and help you along the way so you can be the most effective human right. you want to be and move forward. And it's about finding balance. Yeah. I mean, on one end, if you're a feeler, if you know you are an empath and a feeler, times you sit in that feeling for far too long. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of the spectrum, you may understand about yourself that you have a hard time feeling. <laughs> yeah. And that sometimes causes you to disconnect from the experience to the point that you don't realize it's festering for so long. Yeah. So it's about taking those extreme ends and finding your balance in the middle somewhere so that you can go onward in life. Yeah. And let, <laughs> let that shit go, girl. Let, let that it go. go. Um, so I just mentioned sitting with, you mentioned sitting with emotions and mm-hmm. um, the difference between sitting with things and getting stuck in them, like you said, is mm-hmm. so, so valuable to be able to identify that and what the difference is. Because we, I think if we want to move onward, we are required to sit with things. Yes. And so, so I mean, personally, if you don't mind sharing, what, what do you do to be able to tell the difference between, all right, now I've, I've let this go through me. I've let this elevate me, teach me something. Now I need to let it go. Like, what's that point for you? I think, first of all, that is the key. It's for me. Yeah. It's my own place of knowing. And I think one of the, one of the biggest bullshit responses you can get from someone is it's time. It's time for you to move on. It's time for you to let go. It's time for you to blah, blah, blah. That's for you to say, because if it hasn't done its work in you, it's okay to let it. It's okay to let it keep chipping away at the things it needs to. Um, I've heard this throughout so many different friend circles that, you know, don't let someone pull you into their storm. Instead, pull them into your peace. Mm -hmm. And it's this weird thing of like, let's ignore the fact that someone's hurt or harmed and let's just try to make it. It's that fake nice. It's that false positivity. But yeah. There's something about, I mean, even in Hebrew, it's called sitting Shiva or is it Jewish? 
<laughs> something. But it's sitting Shiva, and that means you're grieving with someone who grieves. Oh, that's beautiful. So I don't think we give ourselves permission and the time and space enough to sit with ourselves. Yeah. So sitting with it for me is however long it takes. I know sometimes I've had experiences where I can let it go quickly, and other times I can't. And instead of getting mad at myself, like, you should be over this by now, Melinda. Right. I say, what else am I needing to learn here? What else do I need? Yeah. And I ask myself that. I think that's so valuable and validating to so many women out there who have experienced things like this. Because, you know, when you do experience a harassing situation or a violating or traumatic situation, sometimes you just can't deal with it right away. Yeah. You Like, you can't. You're in shock, whatever it is. So, you know, months months down the road when you do finally decide to sit with it and process what has actually happened to you and people outside of your bubble that they didn't go through what you went through. They're, they're thinking, wow, it's been months. Why is she still not okay? Right. But they're calculating your experience by their own timetable, right? Their own timetable. And that's not fair, ladies and gentlemen. So don't listen to it. Yeah. Stop doing that. We want y'all to look out for yourselves and know that whatever it takes for you to move forward and onward that you're allowed to do those things and you can give yourself that permission. You don't need it from anybody else. Either sit with people and grieve with them and, and cheer them on or mind your own damn business. You know, like if you care so much to have a judgment about whatever someone's doing or comprehending or learning from, if you have a judgment about it and you're not actually doing it with them, then you have no place to have that judgment. Yeah. You know, that's a strange control. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's control. We that's, like to that's control, what I think that's what we? it comes down to is wanting to be informed and, and curious. And there's a level of curiosity that can be a negative thing. Like if, if you're curious about someone's trauma and pain and harassment and want to grieve with them truly and cheer them on and validate what they're going through. That's, that's a good kind of curiosity. But if you're curious just to know and not do anything and spread gossip, then move along. Come on. Find something better to do. Please move along. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, of course, if, if a friend of yours is not eating and they are in the dark night of the soul, like where it's, 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 feeling dangerous Mm -hmm. and it's feeling like there might be some harm involved. Absolutely. Get involved and step in and help be that person to maybe move them or turn them in the right direction or just be there. But yeah, otherwise let people grieve, Mm -hmm. let them sit. Yeah. Be someone who allows them the space to do so. Yeah. And this stuff gets so complex. Sometimes you don't know when to be there, when to not. So just, just move forward with your, your most, empathetic view that you can understand putting yourself in other people's shoes and and move forward from there am i an ally do i need to mind my own business do i need to step away do i need to step closer you know that's really good tiana i mean (laughs) i when we lived in the hospital you know delia was going through cancer treatments she's you know 10 years old Mm -hmm. and i was in a weird place of trauma. I had just left my career. Um, now I'm living in a hospital with my child who's facing something. If it was me, you know, I can buck it up and I'll just, you know, power through. But when it's your child, you can't drag them along in your own like false positivity each day. It, it is, they feel their kids, you know? Yeah. And so there was a lot of people who didn't know how to help me 
didn't know how to be a good friend to me. And so I think they just didn't. <laughs> they yeah. couldn't because they didn't know how. But the coolest friendships were the ones that would private message and say, what do you need? How can I help? And I didn't know how they could help either. Um, but it was always just something like, okay, well, I'm going to send you this card or I'm going to just sing you a song. Like whatever yeah. you could do to offer, it was just enough. But I think sometimes when we don't know what to do, we end up not doing anything at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I am that way sometimes. There's so many times where I am just overwhelmed with life and I can't even text somebody back, you know? Yeah. It's hard because yeah. I physically just don't have the energy to connect with somebody. And I know that sounds terrible, but I I want every single one of my interactions to be a connection. So yeah. I I just reserve my energy for when I can give that. And yes. that's, that is in no way to be taken personally when I don't respond at all. I mm -hmm. truly and deeply mean every word that I say to everybody that I talk to. So if I'm not responding, it just means I'm not saying anything truly, Yeah, you know? So yeah. you just, you just have to also be aware that, you know, I can't take this personally. If this person can't be there for me, they probably just don't have the energy. Yeah. And if, if, if it is something else, hopefully they would say so, you know? Yeah. It's that expectation, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you hold high expectations on how other people should be behaving or responding to you, that is a form of control. Yeah. That is a standard that is unspoken to. It's an unspoken understanding. It's not common sense. It's not your way. That is the way it's just your own thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you don't express that, you can't expect people to meet that yeah, expectation. True. So. You have to just talk about it. Just right? talk about it. Like we keep saying. So number one, yes, sitting with it. Uh, number <laughs> two is it's time to ask yourself some questions. Important questions. And some of the questions that we came up with if you're in a harassing situation, you feel uncomfortable, you feel threatened, you feel degraded, whatever the case is, there's a few questions you need to ask yourself before taking the next steps that we came up with. Mm -hmm. um, or like what kind of situation that, that will help you identify what kind of situation this is. Um, and one of them is, is this a zero tolerance situation? Right. And explain that for us a little bit. So like, is this something that needs to be completely nipped in the bud right away before it ever turns into anything bigger or leads to an opportunity or an open door for it to ever accidentally, accidentally, unintentionally happen again. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a zero tolerance. Um, we have zero tolerance for, um, hitting each other in my house. <laughs> <laughs> we, we use some words sometimes and we get heated, but nobody can, land their hand on another person's body in our house. Even if you're just flicking someone's ear, we have a zero tolerance. You do like not that. touch another person's body. Yeah. You just, that's their privacy. That's their, that is their personal space. So that would be a zero tolerance. And some people have that with sexism. Other people have that with racism. Like, where is it? Where's your line? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know where your line is, it's time to know where your line is. Yeah, I think that's kind of the problem sometimes is when we don't have an opinion or we don't have a belief or an understanding of what our values are, we're not really standing up for anything. Right. Or so, so how can you stand up for yourself when something uncomfortable happens to you if you don't even know how you feel about it? Yeah. So 
I mean, that another challenge to our listeners too is, you know, what, what are your beliefs on this? What is no, what is not tolerable to you? Yeah. So if something ever does happen to you in the future, are you going to be able to react appropriately? Yeah. And, and confidently. I think that was one of the biggest things I read too in Brene Brown, um, braving the wilderness or daring to lead. I don't know. One of them, all of them are so good. (laughs) Brene Brown (laughs) is like the best when it comes to leadership and personal responsibility, but she's like, so many people talk about their values, you know, or they, they seem to believe that they're under some umbrella of values, like your religious identification, your affiliation with a type of people or a group of people that all of a sudden you have the same values as them. Mm -hmm. But when you ask someone, well, what are your values? What are your top three core values in life? Most people can't answer that. Or they do answer it and it's like, so, so how are you defending that and honoring that value? And most people can't answer that. Right. How are you so, living your own values? Right. Yeah. Right. So if honesty is a top three value for you, how are you exercising it? How are you living it? How are you modeling it? How are you receiving dishonesty? Mm -hmm. Those are the things that, okay, if I knew, Tiana, that honesty was your top priority, your top value, I would understand that if I lied to you, that would crush you. Yes. Because that's one of your top values. And you've made it clear to me in our friendship that if you lie to me, it's lying is just one of those things. And that's not... To, for everyone, because someone else would right. say, I can handle a couple lies here and there. It's okay. Totally. And that's just understanding your friends and your people and understanding their love languages and their values and being willing to show them how they re- receive love and value in their own way, because you're going to differentiate from that person. No, yeah. no two people are going to have the exact same values and love languages. I mean, maybe, totally. maybe it's possible, but everyone's going to look different. Right. Yeah. Because they have different experiences that led them to those conclusions. So they just have different stories. So you have to be willing to understand another person to build that connection a little better. You know, I think that's that next layer of love languages. Cause you know, it's what acts of service, you know, words of affirmation, things like that. But what values are wrapped up in that? Yeah. You know, for Michael and I, it is honesty was our number one for both of us. We've both been lied to. We've both been deceived that that was one of those top things that, you know, we can call each other names here and there Yeah, (laughs) and it stings, but it doesn't sting as much as a lie does and a deception. So once we understood that about each other, boy, do we avoid that where a lot of times... I'll tell him something that I probably didn't need to tell him just because I want him to know how transparent I am with him. (laughs) Emily and I are the same way. That poor girl knows too much about me, (laughs) but that's okay. Like I used to do this thing where I would get tips, you know, I worked in a salon, you get tips all day. And then I'd on the way home, I'd stop and go shopping. (laughs) And then I'd throw my bags in the back of the car Mm -hmm. or else mix them in with some groceries or something, you know? Yeah. And to me, that was my little way of like, this is my treat. Nobody knows. It's just for me and whatever. And then like a couple weeks later, he'd say, when did you get those shoes? (laughs) You know? And then at one point when we were really struggling financially, I had to come to terms with that and realize that I was deceiving our family by not being 
honest and transparent about the money I was making. Yeah. And so that was my own thing of like, okay, honesty is our value. So now I'm going to start behaving in a way that is yeah. representing that better. And that's, you know, that's also a transition, you know, if you were to do that before, before you had family and people like that's, that's okay. That is your thing. But that's when my prerogative, yeah. Right. So it's just a value that may change when other people are depending on you. So it's, it's hard to make that transition, of course, yeah. but that's really cool that you were able to come to that conclusion, you know, over something small, but, but valuable to your partner and your family. Yeah. So and I think we all have to come to those. Yeah. Like asking ourselves those questions, like what is, mm-hmm. and something I'd like you to, Oh wait, no, no, we're still going on these questions, we- and then I want to, <laughs> and then I want to ask you something. Okay, perfect. So, what zero tolerance number two was? Are we you- looking out for another woman? Yeah. Are you looking out for another woman? Are you watching a harassing situation happen? Is this something you can do something about? Can you step in and say that's not okay? Can you console that woman and make sure she's okay after you watch it happen? You know. Are you seeing something and doing something about it? That's been right. such a huge topic in the year 2020. Like, oh if God. you're watching something happen, what the f are you gonna do about oh it? My God, I mean, and why we, aren't you doing anything about literally it? Literally had a president who was elected, <laughs> who brazenly talked about grabbing women's pussies, like. It still blows my mind that yeah. I have to explain this to my. 13-year-old daughter that the American people chose to put a man with that kind of integrity and character who would even utter those words because, you know, it's one thing to think it. Yeah. But out of the heart, a man speaks and he spoke it. Care, And he don't care. He never once apologized for making those references. Like, no. It's just the most embarrassing thing as a as a people group to Yeah. Because that's the other part too. Looking out for other women, that's your daughter. Mm-hmm. So what you're allowing in your home and what you're allowing that you're you're essentially allowing that for your future daughter or your current daughter or any other women in your house. Yeah. Like who are you who's in your circle? Yeah. Yeah, and who and what are you validating? Mm-hmm. Even subconsciously, you know, or, or if we're allowing men of power to speak that way or not saying anything about it, or not even men of power, just people mm-hmm. to speak that way about women yeah. is not Why okay. are we not more outraged? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I've, I've heard some really strange ways that people have um, dismissed it or like justified, justified it. it. Uh. And I'm just like, <sighs> okay. So the third, Anyways. Is, <laughs> third question is, is this a teaching moment? Mm-hmm. Is it? Cause it isn't always a teaching moment, no. but could it be? I guess that's yeah. the real question. Could this be a teaching moment? Yeah. We emphasized on episode two that uh, most of the time or a lot of the times when something accidental happens, it's an opportunity to elevate the other person and show them that that's not okay and you can do better. You can be a better human from this. You know, like as simple as <clears throat> I brought up this story before, but it's a great example of at the golf course where I work. I'm a beverage cart girl and I wear a t shirt and a golf skirt and um, I get a lot of gentlemen making comments and wanting to see my tattoos or whatever. But there was this one specific guy who just came up to me and started touching my arm and trying mm. to lift up my sleeve. Cause he wanted to see my tattoo ah. <clears throat> and it's summer. He's s- entitled to see your tattoo. 
So he thought. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, um, it really frustrated me. It was summer of 2020. Um, the golf course was the only thing that was open. And oh God, I like, know that's already that's nobody already that I've never seen before or nobody that I haven't given permission to should be touching my body mm-hmm. anywhere, anywhere, mm-hmm. my arms, my legs, my hair, anywhere. Do not come within mm-hmm. six feet of me in the middle of a pandemic, let alone touch my arm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a sexual thing. Oh he wasn't being degrading. He truly was interested in my tattoo is what it seemed like. So I politely asked him, sir, I would appreciate you if you didn't touch me during a pandemic. What can I get you to drink? Wow. You know, and he apologized profusely. He's, he was probably drunk and just excitable on vacation, but that was a teaching moment to me. I told him that I was uncomfortable and that was definitely not okay. And he apologized and hopefully he learned from that moment. That is power. Like to say that, I've wanted to say that many times, but I don't think I've ever actually said that. Like, how did you feel when those words came out of your mouth? I was shaking on the inside big time. I was super nervous because I, I felt like I didn't choose to say those words. They just kind of came out of me. And so that was kind of cool that I, I that I just bumps like that. <laughs> That's real shit right there. Yeah. So you didn't choose to. No, like they, they came out. They did. Well, I just I grew Oof. up not having a voice very well. Mm. And look at me now. I'm on a podcast. This is crazy. But I've always had a really hard time, especially in the moment, sticking up my for myself. I I could in the past gather my thoughts absorb what had just happened, come back later to the situation. But when it's a stranger that you're never going to see again, you know, I don't know. And then the last few years, and it just could be my personal life. I just have had a little bit more confidence in sticking up for myself. So yeah. But in that moment I was trembling. I'm like, what is he going to do? This is scary. What did I just start? But he was, it ended up being a really positive situation. So that is a great example I mean, that's the positive outcome that we all hope for. Mm -hmm. We don't speak up because we're scared with like this, you know, shield because we know we're going to get beat down where we actually speak up from a place of we're working together here. Yeah. (laughs) Please hear me. Please Mm -hmm. understand my experience and to deny it, to defend your action or to discount that person's expression and communication that's that's what we fear, I think, when right. when we're holding on to it and not, yeah, not speaking about. And I th- I think that's why I was trembling in that moment because there have been situations in my life where I do speak up for myself and I'm just squashed down. Like, yeah, don't do that. You know, well, so many of us are that yeah. that it's almost well, it is. It's very rare to hear your experience as here's what could happen too. Here is a possibility. Instead of getting, you know, discounted or ignored or shamed or even like judged and talked about for Mm -hmm. even bringing it up in the first place, you're showing us, you're showing everyone who's listening here that it's possible for a responsible man to respond in a way that's kind and respectful and selfless. And selfless. Yeah. It is possible. There are some wonderful men you've, out there. They're you've really heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> first, you've heard it here first. It is possible. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> You might have made a believer out of me. I don't know. I may have to see it a couple more times. 
Don't you want men to understand or at least have a curious desire to have to understand the female perspective, the yeah. femme perspective? Like, don't you, aren't you even curious? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it comes down to, you know, a good man is going to want to undress your mind as much as he's going to want to undress yeah. your body. So, yeah. so a good man that is curious about a woman is going to be curious about all aspects of her. And yes an episode or a show like this podcast is a great window to that. So if you're a man that is listening to this, please know that we are grateful for you. We're so grateful. And we see you as allies. We, we really do. We're all together. We're, we're all partners on this earth. Okay. So the fourth question to ask yourself is, was this predatory? Was this something where you feel like maybe you were set up or led into predatory meaning is there is this an authority figure who's there's some something tethering you to this relationship there's something you could lose if you speak up about it if it's someone in your family exploitative yeah yeah is, is there is are you paying this person is this some kind of a power leverage like predatory because that's a whole nother level right whole nother level yeah and if you i do identify your situation as predatory then there's some serious next steps that you'll need to take after Mm -hmm. that but and then the fourth question to ask yourself was are you afraid what what's the worst that could happen so what i wanted to ask you um you were you had talked about um creating a reflective moment what does that look like for creating an environment or those moments so that you can reflect easily. One tool that I've learned in reflecting and gathering all the information to what has happened to me, like with my example that I was just telling about, you know, that was in the moment. It just came out of me and I dealt with it, but there's, there's times where something's going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to react and respond immediately. And you're going to have to sit with it for a little while and really absorb what happened to you and process it. Pay attention to where you're feeling it in your body. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a weight somewhere in your body and wherever that weight is, is going to tell you where you're holding the most pressure and fear and moving forward from that, that can take you to a, in a lot of different directions. It can take you to, um, more stress or, you know, childhood drama that you've never dealt with. And that might be why, you know, you're dealing with things the way you are now, Um, and just learning, learning through things like that and sitting with yourself and being intuitive and feeling Mm -hmm. how, how this feels in your body. And do you want to keep feeling that way? You know, if you, if I, if something has happened to me and I'm sitting with it, I'm meditating, trying to empty my mind, processing everything that's going on. And I start feeling, usually I feel this weight in my stomach and Mm. that's your solar plexus, right? That's where all your happiness comes from. Yeah. So that lets me know that I have fear. What do I have fear about? You know, so when you can start to start from the base of who you are, that's your body, right? And you want to figure out where to go from there. And there's baby steps. So if you feel that weight, I have fear. What are my fears? What do I do about my fears? Mm. And that just leads you to the next step and the next healing and the next healing, you know? So 
being intuitive and mindful of your body first, because it's all connected, your spirit, your body, your mind. It's, it's not all separate things. It's not right. You know, it's one. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your mind and your emotions and even your personality is going to be affected by your physical body and vice versa. You're going to carry stress. You're going to carry fear. You're going to carry pain and you're going to carry it in different parts of your body. And your body will tell you. You just got to pay attention. For me, sometimes it is meditation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's doing the dishes. Like something about doing hand washing dishes. Totally. That I can just sit there and go to another place. Or listening to music. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, those. Yeah. even sometimes doing my makeup. Like it's such an artistic process for me that my yeah. mind goes places. And I can really start to check in with myself. My number one is walking on grass barefoot. Mm. You can't do that year round here. In touch with yeah. the earth. Yes. So grounding. And that's, grounding. I mean, that's a scientific thing. Walking barefoot, yeah. look into that. There's some science behind yeah, that and that sure. will heal you. So that's my number one thing, but you can't do that year round. <laughs> so my second thing that I do is <clears throat> baths and showers, meditation, mm. combining meditation with a bath and a shower because water is so cleansing mm-hmm. mentally and physically. Um, but we have a tiny shower in my house right now. So that's been hard to do as well. It's literally like a two by two shower. It's so <laughs> tiny. I hate it. Ooh, but luckily I have some wonderful friends and a mom that let me use their bathtub sometimes. Um, but so yeah, combining your meditation with some sort of water, whether it's washing your face, just you want to, the release of that, the washing that off is, Mm -hmm. it just, it's a very nice thing for me. It does wonders. Um, my third thing is that I'll turn on music as loud as I can and sweeping the house. Um, just taking care of all that and having a clean floor that I can walk barefoot on again. Um, it's fun. And usually my pets get involved and we end up having a dance party in the middle of it. So that is so interesting because I feel the same way about um, housework too. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy it because it connects me to my home and it brings me like this sense, like I'm honoring my home. I'm honoring the privilege of having a home exactly. and loving my home that to, to care for it in housework, to me, it actually feels good. That's, I feel exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. And then at the same time, did you know that, <laughs> did you know that cabbage is called nature's broom. Cabbage? Have you heard that before? No. Cabbage. I, I have learned how to make okay. my own brooms, but not out of cabbage. <laughs> cabbage. Eating cabbage is, oh. is called... You're eating it, not wiping your pores. Yeah, I know. That's literally what I was thinking. I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to clean a cabbage. <laughs> Let's do this. No. Cabbage is called nature's broom because it is a cl- internal cleansing and sweeping out of your body and your digestive system. Mm. It's a sweeping. I wish it smelled better. I would eat more <laughs> of it. But that's that's really fascinating. That cool? That's very cool. I and didn't that know kind that. Of, that kind of leads into um, our next little point of letting things go. How do we sweep it out? How do we move it along? Mm-hmm. Um, and talking with Michael. So my husband, Michael, is a chiropractor. He's a doctor of chiropractic and really in tune with the body his areas of specialty are with energy work where over the years it used to be just you know adjusting bones and keeping the nervous system running smoothly which connects to all of your organs Um, but it more of recent he's been really honing in on energy where he can feel that when something's out of alignment there's an energy buildup there and so that buildup needs to be 
released so that it could continue flowing. But I asked him, like, how have you, over your, you know, 15 years of practice, how have you watched people's physical body manifest pain and trauma, like from years ago? Because a lot of people come in and they're just like, oh, I was in a car accident five years ago and I still can't get this left arm to move this way. Um, and for him, it's more, you know, it's joint stuff and he works and all that, but he's also experienced the manifestation of t- pain and trauma that's emotional that works itself into the body. So physically, emotionally, sexually, it really bottles up in our body. And so what he shared with me about what that looks like, which maybe people can identify in themselves, um, is the first thing, it's, it's all stress. I mean, trauma, all of these experiences, it manifests as stress. And it starts out in the shoulders. So the neck muscles tighten. And once the neck muscles tighten, if you like shorten them like that, yeah, like pull your ear, pull your shoulders up to your ears, that's your neck muscles tightening, which is why we always say to each other, okay, drop your shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're just, when we're in a place of stress, our shoulders are up by our ears. So when those neck muscles tighten, it pulls on the rib cage and lifts it up. So if you do that again, do you notice like your rib cage is shifted up? So that... It jams the spine at the base of the neck and the top of the shoulders. So nerves that are exiting that area control your cardiovascular system, which is oversees your heart and your lungs. And cardiovascular disease is the number one leading cause of death in America. So stress pulls up the neck muscles, tightens the rib cage, lifting it up. The spine tightens or it jams the spine at the base of the neck, and then the nerves in that area are constricted. And that's why people have neck and back pain, and they go to see him, and he's like, yes, we'll work on this, but also tell me what happened to you. <laughs> like, yeah. what haven't you let go of? Is there something you need to work through in your life? It's the whole, it's all metaphysical. It's mm-hmm. connection in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. I listened to this one woman who talks about um, gut health and she used to talk about pooping (laughs) (laughs) and how that by looking at your poop, (laughs) looking at your shit is how you know how healthy you are and what your body's up to. I think I watched an episode of Oprah about that actually. Yes. Yeah. So she's like, you're okay. We're going to get a little graphic here, but she... And she's a doctor too. Yeah. And she said your poop should look like a brown banana. Okay. If it doesn't look like a brown banana, you need to understand why. Is the color off? Is the consistency off? Because those are all notification systems of things going on in your body. And I couldn't stop laughing because I think <laughs> potty humor is hilarious. <laughs> so I'm just like, she said poop. She keeps saying poop. And then she put a slide up on the screen and it was 10 different poops. And oh I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, I am literally looking at a meme of poop in this workshop. Like, I love it. I love That's it fantastic. so much. <laughs> Oh, man. But that's why. Those are those notification systems that something's not right. Something needs to get flushed out. Something needs to move. Yeah. And and I being think, more in tune with that intuitive yes. behavior. Yeah. And 
especially caring for yourself in that way, that is going to allow the process of moving onward a little bit easier. Yeah. And we're not, we're not telling, you know, we're not in the business of telling you to just let it go and move on right now. You have to do it all right now because I think both you and I have both experienced that sometimes it takes years to move forward from something. So uh, we're just offering you all the tools so that you can start doing the work for yourself because you freaking deserve it. You do. Everybody does. We don't deserve to carry these things. It's all past tense. It's all something that happened. It's something that has happened. Yes. It's not something that you are. It happened to you. Yeah. It's something that happened to you. Right. You know, it's not who you are. And how you process it is your choice and it's your way. And knowing for yourself when to move on Mm -hmm. and when to get help, like that's the whole, that is empowerment that you are filled with your own personal power to make these decisions, to call things what they are, to exercise your power in whatever way you feel is necessary and best for yourself and those who you care for. That's the power here. That's the power of the 86 list. We're learning to cancel these behaviors. Yeah. Flushing them out of us, flushing them out of our communities. Yeah. So our ladies can feel safe in this world. Yeah. That's all we want. Gosh, that's all we want. Just to be safe. We just want want our ladies to feel safe. We just want to feel safe. Is that too much to ask for? So our call to action for you is to know when it's time for you to seek outside help. It's you it's your call. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. But th- what action? Does it reoccur too often? Does this one thing keep surfacing? You yeah. Know? I think with me, you know, just being such an overthinker, like what what made me choose to seek outside help in counseling is that I would think about one thing and think about it over and over mm-hmm. and over again, trying to process it, but not coming to any new conclusions. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. when I knew I just, I need, I need a professional unbiased sounding board. Just got to make that choice for yourself sometimes because you can think about something so much, but sometimes that's when, like we've talked about, that's when you lose the facts and that's when you do need a little bit of professional. That's when you drift. Yeah. Um, when I started seeing a counsel a couple of years ago, she said, our minds are like, if you think of it like a sledding hill and you have this one, one route that you get on, you put your slide on. The more you ride that hill, the more your slide, your mind will naturally drift over there and just keep going down that one, mm-hmm. that one path. Yeah. You're creating neural Without paths in your brain it. by thinking about something right. so much. And so if you're not thinking about it the right way or being asked the right questions so that you can process it appropriately, you're going to stick in that same neural yeah. path that you created. Without out even of, knowing it. It's exactly. just unconscious. Yeah. So she was saying when you even catch yourself on that on that well-worn path that you have to manually, physically, emotionally, mentally pick up your sled, take four steps to the left and have a, and look at your mind as a fresh patch of snow. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And and then set your, set your slide down there or your ski or your snowboard, whatever. Let's go. But it's fresh. I like that analogy a lot. Yeah. A lot. You always want the the run less traveled big time. See? It all applies. It all it applies. Does. Well, we just want to say thank you to our listeners for just sticking with us this far in this yeah. podcast. This, this is, is our completed first series. It's our first series of the 86 list. And we it's four parts. So if you missed any of them, you can find them on our um, platform at Court of Femme. And all major podcasting 
platforms. All major. Yeah, we're and doing this is it. What, this is our second episode that is actually recorded here at the Hive Studio. Yeah. We're still working out the kinks. We're listening to our sound. And each time we record an episode, we are finding the tunings that we need to do to make it better for next time. So we're not interested in, in looking perfect and coming out as professionals because we're not this is an adventure this is a journey for us and we are growing as we go so we're not gonna scrap any episodes that weren't as quality produced because they're they're a part of our journey right and what's important is our perspective and if we're a little echoey we apologize but deal with it next time we'll be better (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna keep getting better exactly that's just what we're gonna do that's what we do so we are just excited for the direction that we're going and the responses from everyone. Um, definitely share it with someone you know who needs to listen, who needs to engage. Um, reach out to us if you have an issue or a topic that you want us to talk about or that you want to talk about with us. Yeah. We are also going to be having some ad opportunities coming up. So if you have a business and you want people to hear about you from our audience, get in touch with us. Hello at the Hive CDA. Perfect. It has been a pleasure. Thank you to everybody who has stuck with us through this series. Um, it's it's been an honor to do this with you, Melinda. Thank you for everything, and I'm Thank so excited you. to see what's next and moving forward and onward and see where it goes. Yeah. So in the meantime, just talk about it. Just keep talking about it. Yep. <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>